Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. This is the Italian Wine Podcast. My name is Monty Walden, and in the studio today is Francesco Zonin of Zonin eighteen twenty one, with your Italy's largest privately owned wine company. We are, he says very modestly. Uh, no, I just read it on the newspaper. So. <laughs> Must be okay. right. What we thought we'd do today is talk a little bit about because um, you've lived in, you have um, the Zonin family have interests in Virginia in the USA. Yeah, correct. And you've lived there. I did, yeah. It's, uh, we didn't buy a winery. It was 17, 1976. So it was actually one of the first attempt of modern viticulture in the East Coast and especially in Virginia because the first real attempt was done by President uh, Thomas Jefferson, thanks to an Italian from, from Tuscany. How did, sorry, how did that happen? It was my father because I was two years old at the time. But my father was uh, in the 70s. He was already traveling around the world to discover different wine places around the world. So Australia, New Zealand, Brazil, Argentina, Chile, California. And on the way back from California at the time, there was no direct flight. So you had to fly to London and then uh, D.C. and then to San Francisco. So on the way back... He had a friend from Vicenza who lived in uh, Charlottesville. So I said, okay, on your way back, anyway, you have to stop. So why don't you come here and remember that Virginia has a big part on the, on the history of viticulture in, uh, in the U.S. So he went there, fell in love with a place. He saw a great potential in terms of quality. So it was a sheep farm at the time. And then we transformed it into a, a wine estate. And it's uh, now the, the leading winery in, uh, in Virginia. Virginia is now 285 wineries. So it's more mm-hmm. less as big as Montalcino in yeah. terms of uh, numbers. And it's uh, it's growing in terms of perception and and, uh, and overall quality. So when do you fly to the USA but with your selling Zonin Italian wine hat on? Yeah, we also have a, an import company. So we import all the wines that my family produce in the nine wineries in Italy. And it's based in Miami. So in terms of, obviously, in Italy, wine and food... It kind of happens automatically. How is it different in the USA when you're presenting potential consumers with wines made from Italian grape varieties that possibly are unfamiliar to them? And how are they going to match match that with uh, with American cuisine? It's a very interesting question. I think it's, uh, I wouldn't call it a big difference, but it's uh, a psychological difference, I think. The way we live wine in Italy compared to the US. Because if you ask an Italian, and I'm not talking about the wine lover, the three five percent of the market but if you ask an italian just imagine a glass of wine in his mind the glass of wine is on a table surrounded by bread maybe some pasta or some food if you ask an american maybe there is a glass of wine maybe in the middle of a of a vineyard and food is it may be there maybe not so i i think one of the things is changing around the world that even the style of wine it's going toward the wine and food pairing. Uh, wine is not perceived anymore as something that it stands on its own, but it's more part of, of the food culture. I think we cannot think of a wine culture without the food culture. And uh, the way it's evolving, the food culture, in the same way it's evolving the, uh, the wine culture. So we're more careful on what we eat. We want to know where the food comes from. We're eating more locally, organic. And I think the wine 
consumption is doing the same thing. We want to know who the producer is, who we can trust. We want to know the story behind because the difference is we're in Verona right now. If you get out, I mean, you pick 20 restaurants, they're all very good. One of the main difference will be who's the chef, what's the story of this chef, what his philosophy, because then the dish, it's good. Wine is the same thing. Now we can blind taste 50 wines and they're all good. So what wine will I buy? And I think then that the history and the personality of the producer or, or, or the winery is, is, is going to play a, a major role together with the style that has it it's going into a direction of a more drinkable and a more food friendly wine do you think this need for the story is something that's always been latent is the potential for that but we didn't have the way to communicate that easily before we were reliant on wine magazines that are heavy and have to be put in the post and now we can get any piece of information we want from anywhere in the world at the click of a button do you think that's making it easier for winemakers to communicate their story either visually or with audio with photography it's uh, potentially easier because now you have the opposite effect there is too much information. TMI. Maybe 30 years ago was 20 magazines around the world, 10 newspaper. Now it's 20 magazine, 10 newspaper, and 1.5 billion people on Facebook and on uh, Instagram. So I think the revolution now has been done, which is the social media. Now everybody can say something about it. Everybody needs to be open to hear anything about himself and his wines. It's a small revolution. You need to be able to open up and accept critics, positive critics, meaning that it's a critic, but you need to digest and understand in order to do a better job. On the other side, there is so much information, so much noise, then you need to understand better yourself, your company and your wines, because the piece of information you're about to give away, it's fundamental because there's so much noise that everything you say has to have a meaning. You, you're not allowed anymore to say something just because you need to say something. Now you say something if it makes a difference, if it has a meaning. Because people now, on the other side, there's so much noise, people are not willing to hear you anymore. They want to listen to something interesting. So if you don't have something interesting, a good one is not enough anymore. A good story is not enough anymore. You have to tell it in the right way. And it's, uh, it's a challenge because it's uh, completely new because you're, you know, wine has always followed a market opened by many different companies or, or bigger company compared to the wine industry. So we always follow an example. Now, basically, we are entering a new world, social media or communicating every day your product. And it's never been done in the past. It's a challenge for everybody being Procter & Gamble and being a very small retailer and being a very small wine producer. And I think it's uh, fantastic. I mean, how can Italy in general and zone in 1821 in particular take advantage of some of the opportunities and potential complexities of, of how um, journalism and distribution kind of almost coinciding now? Um, this idea that you need to tell a story. To get distribution, you need to tell a story, right? How do you see opportunities in the future arising for, for both big producers like you guys, uh, your family, and also for, say, smaller producers? Well, I think being an Italian, I think we have two, two gold nuggets that we need to play. And one is basically our wines, 600 local varieties, 400 and some 
appellation. It's complicated, but it's unique. So either you can look at it in a negative way or in a positive one. Positive means that you can tell something new basically every day for the next 10 years. And if you look at Australia, South Africa, uh, Chile, Argentina, they have a great potential, but not in, in this area. The second one is the story you can tell, because you can taste a very good wine, especially in a new world. And what's the story behind? It's a first generation story. Here is, I don't know, I think Payoff or Santinori is 26th generation. The base in Italy, it's what, three, four, five generation. So we have a, an amazing story to tell on so many different topics. The area, the appellation, the variety, the, 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 the viticulture. So this works for a, a big company like ours for a, a small company problem is again this amazing noise so even a nice story from a nice viticulture a nice uh, wine producer it's not enough because it's there's too much outside so i think what we are missing in italy and that we're, we're probably much better than us in uh, other countries is how to merge these different stories into like a chorus so how you have 10, 20, 30, 50 amazing producers, okay, that if you put them together, then you can make a statement to the world and say, okay, Italy is also this one. Come and you can spend two months, whatever areas or country, you can spend two months in Etna to understand Narello Mascalese. And then you drive half an hour and you do the same for Grillo. Then you drive half an hour and you spend two months talking about Insolia. And then you can spend six months talking about Nero Davola. And then once you're done, you take a ferry boat and you go to Calabria and you do the same. Then you go to Puglia, to Basilicata, to Molise. I mean, it's never any potential. The only problem, the only limitation I see is if you leave it every producer on its own he's gonna do a good job because we always demonstrated that we can do it but doing it in a different way that is the opposite of our philosophy the first time i went to a university i studied business one of the first lessons my professor told told us the class that you know in italy the number of shareholders in a company it's always odd and three are too much i, I think it's the the only big limit that Italy is facing uh, right now. We need to work as a country. We, we need to make a statement. And China was uh, Italy is a good example. If you want to turn the Chinese market around for Italian wines, we need to go there as a country first. Not just as individuals. It's too big. More than 20 cities with more than 20 million people. It's something we, as Italian, we cannot even think about it. Because you put together three cities in China, they're bigger than Italy itself. So the market is too big. If you want to make a statement in this noisy market, you need to be extremely focused. If you're not, you get there somehow, some way, in a certain time. But we need to learn sometimes because again the great thing we have every producer from around the world they cannot learn how to grow Nero Davola, Insolia, Carrillo, Catarato, Negro Amaro just because it's not they're not sure that the terroir they have it's it's good for this for these varieties so they cannot get where we are but we can get where they are in terms of promotion so we need to you know make a step down it's okay we're italy we're number one we're very good we have thousands of years of history on winemaking in terms of promotion let's learn something from our neighbors Francesca Zonin of Zonin 1821, thank you for those insights on uh, on marketing Italian wine in this ever-changing and ever more complex environment of communication, global communication. Um, 
I'm sure you individually and your family um, collectively will be able to crack it and uh, enjoy uh, even more success. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming. It's been fascinating to listen to you. Thanks. Thanks, Francesca. Follow Italian Wine Podcast on Facebook and Instagram.